This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I'd like to invite you, if you would, to take God's Word and go with me to the book of John, the Gospel according to John, the 11th chapter. John chapter number 11, we'll begin reading in verse number 18. John chapter number 11 and verse number 18. The Lord Jesus has received word that uh, there's a, an illness in the family, a family that he loved dearly, a family that he had dwelt with and spent time with and communed with, a family who dearly loved him. The one who was sick was a man named Lazar, uh, uh, <laughs> Lazarus. And his sister was Martha and Mary. We don't know a lot about this family. But we know that when this dear man was sick, these two sisters were greatly burdened. And so they said to the Lord, they sent a messenger to the Lord, and uh, they asked, implored him to come as quickly as he possibly could come because they believed in his power to heal. They had witnessed it many times, and so they called upon him, but he did not come immediately. In fact, the Bible tells us that he delayed for several days. Finally, when he was coming along uh, the way to Bethany, his disciples asked concerning the condition of Lazarus because they were concerned about him and they knew that the Lord loved him. Maybe they wondered why the Lord delayed. And the Lord told them that Lazarus had died. As we come to verse number 18, we pick up uh, with this uh, record. The Bible says, Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she'd heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And she saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. 
Notice the phrase that we find here in verse number 25, the statement that the Lord Jesus makes to Martha. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, note these next words, please. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. I want to speak to you on that subject this morning. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would, by your spirit, help us in these moments to be attentive. Give us understanding. May we receive your truth. Help us to respond according to your truth as you deal with us in our hearts. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would empower me and enable me that I might proclaim your word faithfully to your people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There was a great dilemma that Mary and Martha were under. Their brother, their beloved brother, Lazarus, had died. Before he died, it was evident that this sickness was very serious and he could possibly die at any moment. And so they sent for the Lord to come and heal their brother, but he did not come according to their time constraints and the needs that they believed that he should come in. He arrived there, and by the time he arrived there, Lazarus was dead. Not only was he dead, but he had been dead for four days. It was a great dilemma that they faced. By the way, we all face that dilemma. The Bible teaches that it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. The Bible tells me that all of us are sinners, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Regardless of who you are and where you're from today, we all have something in common. That is that we're all sinners. The Bible tells me that the wages of my sin, my just desert for my sin, is death, not only physical death, but eternal death in an awful place of torment called hell. The Lord Jesus Christ came to rescue me from that death. And he made this statement to Martha that we read here in, in this verse, verse 25, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I just want to give you three thoughts this morning concerning this thought. First of all, we see a promising declaration. A promising declaration. Verse 23, Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Then he asked a very important question that I want to ask you this morning. Believest thou this? In other words, do you believe this? That was what he asked Martha. And she saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. You see, the Lord answered Martha's dilemma. 
I am the resurrection and the life. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 1 that we were all dead in the trespasses and in our sins. If you turn there with me, Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1, you're going to see what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus concerning their salvation, the condition they were in before they were saved, and what God did to save them. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And you, again, he's writing to the church, to the believers, you hath he quickened. The word quickened simply means to be made alive. What is it that you give life to? You give life to that which does not possess it. In other words, they were dead. And Paul says that in verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. They were living people, the people of Ephesus. They had a life. They had a job. They, 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 they had a family. There were things that they enjoyed about their lives, and there were things that they did not enjoy about their lives. They, they were living people, but the Bible says that they were dead. Remember now the words of Jesus and his statement to Martha, though he were dead, yet shall he live. You see, Lazarus had a problem that existed long before he physically died. He had already died. He was already dead. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? I mean he was spiritually dead in his soul, in his spirit. He was dead long before he ever physically died. And while they wanted the Lord to come and keep him alive, the Lord wanted to come and give him eternal life. And there's a difference. He said, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, verse 2, Ephesians 2, where in time past... When you were dead, ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You were dead, and you were living physically, walking according to the spirit of this world, according to the spirit of the devil. Verse 3. Among whom also ye had, we all had, or also we had all had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, our sinful desires, the desires of our flesh, which can never be satisfied, and the desires of our wicked minds. He says, and we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. You see, when God looked upon the face of the earth and he saw the lost souls of humanity, he saw a great graveyard full of the souls of dead men bound in the darkness and deception of sin, fulfilling the appetites and the lusts of the depraved mind and of their flesh. And it was while we were dead that Jesus came. 
You see, the Lord has just come here not only to give Lazarus physical life, not only to answer the request of these sisters, but to show us that he has come to meet the greatest need of our lives, not just for the here and now, but for the by and by, for all eternity. You see, the Lord Jesus is the giver of life. John chapter 1 tells us this. In the beginning was the Word. That, that, that word, Word, is capitalized. That means it's a proper name. The name that is given for Jesus, that refers to Jesus here in John chapter 1, is the name Word. He is called the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, did not come into existence 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. He has always existed. He is God incarnate in the flesh. He was eternal with his Father. He is equal with his Father. The Bible says in verse 2, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Who spoke this universe into existence? Jesus, the Son of God. Who formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life? It was Jesus. The life that you have, the physical existence that you have, the breath that you take is a result of the creative power of the Son of God. Verse 3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus Christ is the giver of life. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You see, the giver of life had showed up that day to impart life to a dead man. But not only had he showed up that day to impart life to one who was in a grave named Lazarus, he had come to impart life to all who were dead. And so how did we receive this life? How did he offer this life to us? Because we were dead. Well, the way that he offered this life to us was that the giver of life had to give up his life. The giver of life, the author of life, the source of life himself died so that he could impart spiritual life, everlasting life to us. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 6. For when we were yet without strength, when we had no power, when we had no strength to serve God and do right, in, in Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about this. He said, I want to do the right thing, but I can't do it. Now, I'm, I'm giving you a little bit of an interpretation based. Uh, this is my analysis, right, my summary. I try to do the right thing, but I can't do it. I read that, and I said, that's me. And I don't want to do the wrong thing, but I keep doing it. That was Paul's dilemma. That's the dilemma that we all have. When we were yet without strength, 
the power to please God because we are sinners in due time. That's when Jesus showed up for Lazarus. Four days late, they thought, no, 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 no. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 7 of Romans chapter 5, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man would even dare to die. You might lay down your life and give it for a good man, a righteous man, but not many would do that. Very few would do that. Verse 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet dead, while we were yet sinners, while we hated him and scorned him and, 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 and disobeyed his commands, while we had no desire to know him, while we were yet sinners, Christ, the source of life, the giver of life, died for me, for you. That means he died in my place so that I wouldn't have to. Verse 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Verse 10 of Romans 5, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. He has imparted his life to those who believe. So how do we receive this gift of life? We receive it through faith by believing on the name of the Lord Jesus. You say, well, I'm just going to turn over a new leaf and I'm going to really try to do good and make God happy and please him. You can't do it. You can't do it. There's no other way to come to God but through his son. He is the way, the truth, and the life. If you don't have his life, you won't live life. So how do you receive the life? You receive it by believing on the name of the Lord Jesus. John chapter 3 and verse number 14. The Bible said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Moses fashioned a serpent. The serpents had come into the camp, and, and they began to bite the people, and they were put to death because of the poison of the serpent's bite. And, and in order for those who had been bitten by the serpent to be healed, they had to look to this image that Moses was commanded by God to make. It was the image of a serpent on a stick, and it was lifted up. The picture here is of Jesus who has taken upon himself our sin being lifted up on the cross. And when we look to him in faith for deliverance, trusting in him, we can be saved. This is the picture that we find in, Rome, in, in John 3, verse 14. He says in verse 15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. I want you to understand that God twice in two verses tells us that he does not want you and I to perish. That means I was already on the road to perishing. I was already on the road to destruction. Why? Because I was dead in my sins and in my trespasses. I had no eternal life. And so God sent his son to die in my place. He says in verse 16 that whosoever believeth in him, 
whosoever. That's anyone. Salvation is offered to all people. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what you've done. God loves you, and he wants to save you. And he sent his son Jesus to make the payment for your sin and die on the cross. Verse 17, for God sent not his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Do you know what separates the dead from the living? One thing, belief. The dead, let me say it this way, the living are no better than the dead. They're made out of the same thing. The difference is that the living have looked to Jesus in faith. They have believed on him. They have confessed that they're sinners, that they need a Savior. They have called upon the name of Jesus and asked him to save them from their sin. And having done so, they have received eternal life. It's a promising declaration, isn't it? Martha, your brother's going to live again. Well, I, I know. I, I know he'll live again at the resurrection last day. Oh, no, 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 Martha. That's not exactly what I mean. What I mean is I, Jesus, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Easter's a meaningful time to us. The resurrection is a meaningful time because we know that Jesus came out of the grave on the third day. We also understand that our loved ones who have trusted in the Lord Jesus, they're not lying in a grave. They're not burning in an awful place called hell. They are with the Lord, with him in heaven, and one day we'll see them again. That's a promising declaration. Then there was, secondly, a predictable deliberation. We see it in verse 28. And uh, when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Verse 30. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then which were with her in the house and comforted her. When they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Now Martha said that to him, and now Mary says it. Lord, if only you had gotten here a little quicker. If only you had come immediately when we called for you, you could have made it. If only you would have answered that prayer, and only if you'd showed up, my brother wouldn't be dead. And that's true. He wouldn't have. Verse 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And said, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Aren't you glad that the Lord has compassion on you? Those of you who are brokenhearted, those of you who are disappointed, 
you're dealing with things that maybe nobody knows. Jesus cares. Verse 36, then said the Jews, behold, how he loved him. And I would just say, behold, how he loves you. Verse 37, and some of them said, could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? They said, that's the one who gave sight to the blind man. You heard about blind Bartimaeus. You, you heard that he gave him sight. You heard about the man, he, he took the clay and, and, and the ground and made the clay and put it on his eyes and he was able to see. Uh, you, you heard about the man who was possessed by demons and, and uh, he lived in the tombs and he was a lunatic. No man could help him. No medicine, no psychologist, nothing could help this guy until he met Jesus and he cast the devils out of him. And now this guy is at home with his wife and his kids and he works a job and he's one of the best people in the whole place. Or how about the lame man who couldn't walk? In fact, he'd never taken a step in his life. And Jesus said to him, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And he healed that man. Could he not have kept Lazarus alive? And the answer is, yes, he could have. But the thing they did not consider is that Lazarus had died long before Jesus ever knew him. He was born dead. He had life physically. You could talk to him, but he didn't have spiritual life. And had Jesus kept him alive at the moment, maybe he lives 10 more years. Maybe he lives 20 more years. But what's going to eventually happen to him? What did eventually happen to him? He died. A few years ago, my mother called me. Your dad has multiple myeloma. The doctor said he could live between three and possibly seven, maybe 10 years. I didn't plan to get that call. Lord, if you'd been here, my dad would not have died. Three years he lived with him. Much quicker than I thought. It took him. Maybe if the Lord had seen fit, he would have healed him, but he didn't see fit. I can't question that, just like you can. Mary and Martha couldn't question, Lord, why did you delay? Why didn't you show up? Don't you care? Of course he cares. You see, he's going to meet a far greater need, not just the physical need of this man, but the spiritual need. And through meeting this need, he is going to reveal to us all what our true need is. And so while the world deliberates about what Jesus is doing, 
and what they think he should do. You know, you hear people say, well, if God is God, why is he allowing this suffering? Or why did he allow this child to get sick? Why did he allow that to happen? They've totally missed what God has done to meet the greatest need for that child or for anyone in humanity. It's not just to keep them alive physically for a period of time. It is to give them life that will last them throughout all eternity. I went somewhere the other day. I got out of my car. And the thought came across my mind. I think your dad would like to have done this. I thought, well, we would have enjoyed that for sure. And then this thought came to me from the Holy Spirit. Oh, you'll enjoy this again because he's alive and Jesus is coming. And when he comes, he's bringing all his saints with him. And he will rule and reign on the earth for a thousand years. And after that, we'll live in the new Jerusalem for all eternity. And do you know it dawned on me that I'm going to spend more days on this earth with my dad in the future than I've ever got to spend with him in the past. You see, while the world deliberates, what is Jesus doing? They've totally missed what he has done. Now, he's demonstrating that here, and that gives us our third point this morning, a powerful demonstration. He is going to do something here which demonstrates his power to meet the greatest needs of our lives. Look at it in verse 39. Jesus said, take you away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he had been dead four days. Martha's protesting. You roll that stone away, you're going to smell the smell of death. And it emanated from that cave, and it filled the air. Verse 40, Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. What is it that we really need to know? How to cure cancer? How to deal with COVID? How to solve all the problems of injustice in this world? No, all that we need to know is Jesus. Because he's the answer to all those problems. He prayed to his father and said, I want them to know that you sent me because that's the difference between life and death. Verse 43, and when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. 
Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. I want to tell you there was a day when I recognized that I was a sinner, that I didn't know God, that I was on my way to hell. I recognized that I was a dead man, and the Spirit of God helped me to hear the voice of Jesus, and he said, Scott, come forth. And I want to tell you that day, I got up out of my seat. I walked the aisle. I met somebody in the altar who had a Bible who prayed with me and showed me from the Word of God how that I could be saved. And that day, a dead boy called on Jesus, and the Lord Jesus saved me and gave me life everlasting. I got a home in heaven. The future is glorious. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. Do you have that life? There's only one way to receive it. The same way I did. Believe on him. If you've never done so this morning, if you've never said, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I know that you're the Son of God and that you died for me, and today I believe that you died, that you were buried, that you rose again, and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. I'm asking you to save me from my sin and from hell. I'm trusting you as my Savior. I want to encourage you to do that today if you've never done it. That's the difference. That's the difference between death and life. And if you have received that life, get those grave clothes off of you, those stinky dead grave clothes. Don't let the devil bring up all that shame and guilt. Give it to Jesus. Don't go back to him either. Now, every once in a while, we fall back into that, don't we? But I'm glad that if we confess our sin, he, that is Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. Oh, how I need his forgiveness. And to cleanse us, to wash all that filth off of me. That's our Lord. And so today on Resurrection Sunday, if you don't know Jesus, would you come to him? Would you put your faith in him? Would you receive that life that he imparted, that powerful life that he demonstrated that he could give in the life of one named Lazarus? Oh, he wants to do that in your life. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used his word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.